Hey, thanks for listening to the CMC podcast. My name is Noah Tice, and I'm the media director here at CMC. And before we get into our message, I just wanted to plug our young adult ministry, Applied Life Leaders Academy. If you've been listening to us for any amount of time, you'll know that CMC is always about the next generation of leaders. And so Applied Life Leaders Academy has been a major part of our mission for over 37 years. As an alumni of the program, I can tell you that if you know a young person with a call of leadership on their life who has a desire to grow in their personal purpose and ministry, Applied Life is a perfect fit. And for more information, visit AppliedLife.com and follow us on all social media platforms at Applied Life Leaders Academy. And now for a sermon by Pastor Josh Barnett. Well, if I don't know you, uh, my name is Josh Barnett. I'm on staff here, youth pastor, associate pastor, keeping Paul and Tim in line, pastor, whatever, whatever they need. <laughs> I'm kidding. We, uh, Tim is in our, at our church in Missouri this morning. Uh, they just had a culture conference up there and heard great things about it. So we were excited for them, praying for them. And, uh, and we just finished uh, Leaders Academy Olympics this week. Uh, so uh, <laughs> got some tired, sunburned eyes around here. Uh, but most importantly is that Paul made it through. So he's here this morning. <laughs> we we're praying for him. <clears throat> well, uh, I'm excited about sharing with you this morning, um, just kind of going along with uh, what our church in Missouri is doing. I wanted to talk about culture. I wanted to talk, I, wa- I, wanna, I wanna step into it this morning, so I wanna wade off into the, the messiness of it, and uh, I wanna talk about some political things this morning, and uh, so I expect it's a, a little bit of it to be quiet. Um, I had a couple people walk out first service, I almost called them out by name, but I refrained, um, so, but if you walk out, I will call you out by name, so I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I never know why people are walking out. Sometimes, I'm assuming most of the time they're, they're mad or offended at something that I said or um, they got to go to the bathroom. So it's whatever, you know, whatever. I'd hate to call somebody out when they were just like, I'm just going to the bathroom. Or somebody got sick or something and had to rush out. That'd be, that'd be bad. Um, I want to equip us today, church. Uh, my, if you, you, you may come in here this morning, it's like, oh, you know, I just really want to feel good sermon about how much Jesus loves me. It's like, okay, well, I did that a couple weeks ago and you, if you weren't here for it, you missed it. So um, this week I want to talk, I want to equip us um, I want to call us um, to engage in culture, to engage in politics. We are actually called to create culture. We are called to be set apart in this culture. We are called, uh, believe it or not, we're called to have a role in politics. Jesus actually has a lot to say about politics. Uh, that scripture has a lot to say about politics. And I, I think oftentimes people come in and, and uh, you know, they have the thought of like, well, I just came to about, hear about Jesus. I didn't want to hear about, uh, I didn't want to hear about politics this morning. And it's like, that's, that's this, such a wrong mindset because God has a lot to say about those things. Why wouldn't we want to go to God's word and see what he says about governing people? And, and people say, well, I don't really care about politics. You will when they come to your door. So you only don't care about it for, for such a degree, which actually I find that most people don't care about it until they look at their check and go, Uncle Sam took how much? Uh-oh, how much in Texas? Then we, then we care about politics a little bit. <laughs> um, but you should care about politics. Politics is just the rule of a city. It's the rule of a people. It's the rule of a nation. And we should all uh, care about these things. And as kingdom people, I think we should care about these things. Carl Henry, a theologian in the 1940s, said this, Christianity will lose its cultural influence because of the church's hesitancy to apply the gospel to pressing world issues. I want us to know from the get-go, we cannot separate our Christianity from politics. The kingdom of God is like leaven. Not only does it permeate all of me, but then it begins to permeate all of culture. 
It begins to permeate every single thing. We, as believers, we don't have a compartmentalized faith. I'm not one way on Sunday morning and then another way in the voting booth. I'm not one way on Sunday morning and another way at work. It involves every part of my life. Our loyalty is to King Jesus. Our submission is to his lordship, and that affects every single part about me, including politics. It's a lie to say that we don't care or that we shouldn't care. Um, People don't care until someone imposes something on you that you don't want or you don't appreciate or you perceive as a violation. Our faith calls us to be involved in politics. Ephesians 5.11, Paul actually says, have nothing to do with darkness, rather expose the dark deeds of this world. Okay? Um, And and listen, if if Christians abandon politics, what worldview do you want to be in charge of us? What worldview do you want to be in charge of us? Well, the church has, you know, it's done some bad things over the years. Not as bad as atheism. You could say some people that, that misapplied scripture have maybe killed their thousands, but atheism has killed its hundreds of millions. So God bless you if you think we should abandon politics. I personally don't think so because I love you. And I love your family and I love your children. And I love your life, and I love our church, and I love our nation. My loyalty first is to King Jesus and my family, but then my nation. I love our country, and I want our nation to be built on the Word of God. Jesus said, he didn't say go make disciples of people. He said go make disciples of nations. So he, Jesus wants us to establish a whole nation, nations, plural, that submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Amen? That, and that's exciting. That's awesome. This is, and, and getting involved in politics, I want everybody to know, it's a way that you love your neighbor. Because if you're a believer, and, and, and as I'm preaching the sermon, I assume that I'm talking to believers. If you're an unbeliever in here, I'm not talking to you. This is the barn. This is where the horses come to feed. So I'm not, I, I would have a conversation a little bit differently with somebody out in public, out on a stri- somebody who didn't believe the same way that I did. I would have it a little bit differently, but I'm, but I'm talking to people about the word of God and what it says, and I want to equip you to engage the person on the street corner, to talk to the person at your workplace. This is important that we know these things, and I think a lot of times, too, we think that, like, oh, yeah, like, we know this stuff. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I believe all that. I vote all that way, whatever. And it's like, okay, well, times, they are a-changing, and we got to know what we're up against. We got to know what we're up against. We got to be sure that we don't fall into the leaven of the Pharisees or we fall into the leaven of Herod, but we have the leaven of the kingdom of God. Amen? Okay. So people, oftentimes, they have this like, well, do evangelism, but don't do politics approach, which usually those type of people, they usually don't do the evangelism part anyway. Um, God bless them. Uh, but this, this leads out a vital way that we can love our neighbors because if we are believers in here and we believe that God is the creator and the designer of life and we believe that his law is good, that his boundaries for us are blessings for his love for us and, and, and protection of us, then we should want those things to be law and we should want those things to be law for our neighbors. Because if I love my neighbor as I love myself and I want them to enter into this abundant life that God has given me and I want them to prosper and all that they do, guess what? I'm going to vote in kingdom laws. I'm going to abdicate for kingdom people to be in positions of policy because I know that they will enact things that will lead them to a fuller life. Amen? (laughs) And listen, our founding fathers set up a brilliant form of government. Uh, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution are absolutely incredible. And one of the first things that they declare is that we, the people, are in charge. The Constitution is not to limit the power of the people, but to limit the power of the government that rules over the people. Okay? And so we, we the people, are in charge. And Romans 13 makes it very clear 
that all government is, is ordained by God. And so we have this incredible blessing where we get to vote and vote for people to represent us and represent our values. What a waste if we refuse to vote and engage. A waste of, listen, God-given authority to us. To us. We are called to exercise our God-given authority in the culture. Come on. Some of you, your eyes already glazing over. You didn't know you came for civics class this morning, but you did. The feel good, tickle your ears message was a couple of weeks ago. You can go back and listen to it. <laughs> failure to vote is a failure to exercise God-given authority. When people say, oh, I just focus on the Bible, just focus on Jesus, just focus on Christianity, just focus on the church. I am. That's what I'm doing. I read my Bible and I see that God has a lot to say about politics. Well, I just came this morning to hear about Jesus, not about politics, which is why our nation is where it is now. So Jesus has huge opinions on the governing of the people. What you mean oftentimes is that you want a feel-good message to encourage you, not one that would challenge you to do anything. Okay, so this is something that we as believers are called to engage in. God is the creator of government, and so he has some things to say about it. See Genesis 9, Romans 13, all his laws in Leviticus. It shouldn't take too deep of a dive to see that Christians should care about government and should have an active role in politics. The Old Testament gives examples of how God-fearing believers fill important governmental roles as well. Um, you see Joseph in Egypt saved not only Egypt from famine, but nations from famine. You see Moses stood up to Pharaoh, the leader of a nation, the leader of an evil empire, to lead the people out of slavery. You see Esther in Persia, she saved the Jews from a holocaust because she was in a governmental position. <clears throat> we see Daniel, talked about Daniel earlier in worship. Daniel faithfully served, Daniel faithfully served under four different pagan kings. And, and Daniel saw probably the greatest conversion in scripture, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuch the last we hear about Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter four, he is giving glory to God and declaring that Daniel's God is the one true God. Wow. And he was an evil pagan king. <laughs> he, was not, he was not a good man and he got converted. We see Elijah boldly opposing King Ahab and Jezebel uh, on the mountain of Carmel and in several other areas. In the New Testament, we've got more of the same. We've got John the Baptist. I, I preached on John the Baptist a couple uh, weeks ago, Wednesday night. Um, I see that some of you weren't there. I did take attendance. You weren't there. Um, and he lost his head because he called out Herod. Jesus commands us to be salt and light in our culture, to not be influenced by the living of Herod, to make disciples of nations. Paul boldly declared the gospel to Felix and Agrippa, and he used his Roman citizenship to get an audience with the emperor. How about that? That's awesome. Praise the Lord. And so we have these spaces where uh, we see people in scripture that are doing that, and, no, and scripture never says, hey guys, stay in your lane. That's never, Christians, that's never the, we don't stay in our lane. We're taking dominion over every area of society. That's what we're called to do. Well, let's just be the church and listen to feel-good songs and sermons. Let's stay out of all that icky political stuff. Let's let the world figure that out. We do not keep our religion out of politics. Our religion permeates every part of our lives. And I would say this, for you to not be political, you're being political. Because you are agreeing with the status quo. You are agreeing with where things are at and where things are headed. I don't know about you, but I'm not in agreement with where things are headed. I just open your eyes and look at culture, turn on the news. I'm not in agreement where things are headed. I'm going to read Matthew 16. 
verses 13 through 20. If you ever heard me preach, I preach on these scripture a lot because I think it's a very, very important part of scripture. It's one of my favorite. Verse 13 says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? They said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love this section of scripture. When he says my church, the Greek word there that, that Jesus used was ekklesia. And it was not a religious word. He didn't use the word synagogue. He used the word ekklesia. Ekklesia was an assembling body of people that had governmental rule over an area. On this rock, Peter, what rock? The rock that I am the Messiah. I am the son of God. I will build my church. And I love that he says on this rock, this revelation that I am Jesus, the son of God, because I, I, I keep connecting it to Daniel here. But when Daniel interprets the dream that Nebuchadnezzar got, it was a statue built out of four different metals and a, a, a rock hit the statue and it falls and it crumbles and that little rock covers the whole earth in a rock. It grows until it covers the whole earth. What's the rock? Christ. Every other nation, every empire that does not submit to the lordship of Jesus, that does not become a part of that rock will fall and crash when you remove Jesus, this is, this is what's fascinating to me, is, the, is the, the New Testament church, the early church, they were under an evil Roman empire, Roman control. And Christ, they began to spread the gospel, not just to individuals, but also to government, also to religious, whoever. They spread the gospel to everybody. They got involved in everything. And it caused riots and revivals and crazy stuff was going on. Listen, from... from Nero was mass persecution broke out. It was terrible. But by like less than 300 years later, you had a Christian emperor sitting on the throne of the Roman empire. Why? Because Christianity, now I don't want to get a history lesson. He obviously didn't do some great things, but Christianity permeated every part of society and literally caused the Roman empire to crumble. That's amazing. That's incredible. And this rock is what our founding fathers initially intended to establish our nation on. And we have completely moved away from it. And that's why you're seeing chaos because you don't move away from the word of God and things work better. And so you want to keep religion out of politics. Well, guess what? A religion replaces the religion you took out. It's called secular humanism. It's called postmodernism. And it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Hang on. So <laughs> ecclesia. <laughs> referring to a group of people called to govern the affairs of a city. What is the church called? A city on a hill. Jesus is building his government uh, on the church. Isaiah 9 says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. His church is supposed to be much more than people gathering on Sundays to hear songs and feel good sermons. We are his ambassadors. We are his king priests taking dominion of the world, making disciples of nations. We are ones sent in authority to turn the world upside down or rather right side up. The great commission, Jesus said to teach them, you're making disciples of all nations, you're teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. If people get saved and begin to obey Jesus, do you know what that creates? Culture. What does culture need? Culture needs government. It's just part of it. People need to be governed. They're going to create culture. They're going to shift governments. They're going to change nations. Of course, 
Like, I don't see as a, as a believer why you would want somebody that is not a Christian leader. And I'm not saying Christian in name only. Obviously, right now, we've got a president that says that he is Catholic, and he is far from Catholic. That man has lost his mind, got, you know, and I'm praying for him. I am. I'm praying for him. I don't think we're supposed to not pray for our leaders. We want Christian leaders. I'm a believer. I want somebody who represents my values. I want Christian politicians. I want Christian policies in place because I want people to know God like I do. We know that he has abundant life for us. We're called to give our lives to seeing others hearing the same good news that transformed our lives, okay? Now, in this sermon, if you're taking notes, you're right at the top of it, hold the line. Hold the line. I wanna talk about holding the line this morning. Talking about holding the line. A line that is drawn in concrete. A line that is drawn by the word of God. When I, when I'm, I wanna to talk to us about holding an uncompromising stance regard, regardless of the consequences. Or we do not move off of this. Now, this is not gonna be an exhaustive list, just some things like I really not think. I, this is what the Bible teaches. This is what scripture teaches about where we hold the line. Okay, the first thing is, number one, we hold the line on truth. We'll hold the line on truth and everything you know, follows from this, but, but Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the tr- truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall, shall set you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He is the truth. He is the truth and his words are the truth, okay? So we have to, truth truth is not altered because culture changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Truth doesn't alter because culture changes. (laughs) We believe truth is the same for all people, all places, all times. Well, you don't know what's going on. You don't know about their culture or what they're doing. It doesn't matter. It's the same. And that's why Paul said you're neither Jew nor Greek. You're not civilized or uncivilized. It doesn't matter. It's him. It's him. He is the truth. It's not based on what feels good. It's not based on what we think is right. It's based on what the word of God says. It's not based on my personal experience. It's based on what does this say? What does this say? And I love the word of God. As believers, we are supposed to love the word of God. The longest chapter in scripture, Psalms 119, is all about loving the law of God. And I heard a pastor say not too long ago, like, if you do not love the law of God, you don't love God. You cannot love God and not, what, not love what he says. We don't apologize for what this says. How sissy is that, that we would apologize on behalf of the creator. Do you think he's looking for somebody to apologize for him? Oh my goodness. I'm not sorry about what this says about anything. He is God. He created this universe. We don't apologize. We're like, you know, I'm sorry that you, you know, I wish he would have, I don't wish he would have made it different. I'm glad that he made it this way. And you know what? That the truth of who he is and his law, like it also exposed things in me that had to change. I'm not asking anybody to, 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 to do anything that I didn't do. God's not asking anybody to do anything that he didn't ask everybody else to do. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. Okay, his law is truth. It's not based on what feels good. This is the word. I'm not apologizing for it. <laughs> Goodness. And, and here's the deal, this, and I want people to get their hopes up. 
because truth hits people in the face. It does. There's this, uh, there's this philosophical term called empirical transcendence. Empirical transcendence basically says that reality is going to hit you in the face whether you want it to or not. I can believe that this concrete right here, this concrete floor is jello. But if I jump off of here and dive head first, guess what's going to hit me in the face? Reality. Reality. Empirical transcendence is going to happen. I'm going to realize, wow, that wasn't jello. That was really hard concrete. I probably won't be thinking anything because I might be. (laughs) Empirical transcendence is going to hit our culture in the face. And I, I hate it for some people. I really do. I, I wish they would get it now rather than figuring it out 20 years from now. But empirical transcendence will hit people in the face and they'll realize, oh, wow, this gender thing really doesn't work. I really can't be whatever I want to be. Oh, wow, like same-sex relationships, they don't produce life. You know, and so, so here are why my hopes are highest because I see lots of families in here that are raising lots of children in the way that they should go in the ways of the Lord. And I, and I know that's happening all across our nation. There are millions and millions of families who are raising their kids up in God's ways. And, our, and listen, the population might take a little bit of a decline, but you're gonna have people that go, shoot, this didn't work. And, and one generation is gonna be raised up while another one dies off. That's truth. It's the truth of the matter. It's, what's, it's, it's just what's gonna happen. Okay, uh, last thing I want to say on truth is, is it, when you read Scripture, it is nev- never asked the question, what does Scripture mean to me? It is, it is, what does Scripture mean? Not what does it mean to me. It's what does it mean? We believe in this. We believe in truth. And, and here's the deal. Truth, I think G.K. Chest- Chesterton said it. Um, he said truth is going to sound like hate to those who hate the truth. It's going to sound like hate to those who hate the truth. And, I, and listen, I want, I want everyone to be aware because you may think, well, like, this is never going to affect me. This is never going to come close to me. It's here. It's here, and you've got to hold the line. And they no longer want you to just, it's not just tolerance anymore. You have to affirm and celebrate, or you're a phobic, you're a bigot. Well, I know we've got some little ears in here, so I've got to be careful about what I, what I step into. But listen, this, th- what we saw in Nashville last month, they think we're evil. They think we're evil. And, they, and so the, the, you're seeing like demonic ideology that so got people taken captive that while we don't wake war against flesh and blood, they are. Because there's nowhere, they don't, they don't think that we can change, but we believe that they can change because we believe in the simple power of the word. Amen? We've got to elevate the power of the gospel. We've got to elevate the power of the word. We've got to understand that it literally will change not just people, but whole nations, whole people groups. You will see people come to know him through the simple preaching of the gospel. You don't believe me? Just read the book of Acts. Read about revivals in history. But I will say like, People have to be discipled. People have to be discipled. This, this new movie that came out, The Jesus Revolution, it's amazing. I cried. It's so good. But it started in California. It started in California. And Calvary Chapel, they're, they're, I heard the other day, like, like uh, Southern California, there's more Calvary Chapels than Dunkin' Donuts. 
But where is California at? How is it doing? It's because people got baptized in an ocean, but then they weren't discipled by the Bible. We've got to disciple a generation with the Word of God. I'm all about revivals. I'm all about people being converted, but then they have to be taught. They have to be taught. They have to be discipled. They have to sit under the teaching of the Word. Okay, the second thing, I'm running out of time. Y'all are holding me up. I was trying to do better today, too. They got me on a timer up here. It's counting down. Is this new, Lucas? What is this? (laughs) I rebuke that witchcraft right there. (laughs) After the last couple weeks, they were like, we got got to tell this guy when to cut off. So they probably got a trap door up here, too, that I'm going to, if I go too long, it's just going to open up and I'm going to fall through. (laughs) The second thing that we have to hold to is life. Life. We We had an incredible victory. Roe v. Wade got overturned. Oh, come on. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But, but now we have candidates who fought for life that are just, that are saying their presidential platform is like, okay, well that got overturned. Now we'll just let the States decide. No, I'm looking for a leader that says no more ever again, no more abortions, no more killing babies. No more slaughtering those in the womb. That's not what we're doing. We're not pulling them apart anymore. Do we love the mom? Absolutely. And we also love the baby. And I'm not choosing between them. There's no, cho- there's no choice between them. Okay. Psalms 139 makes it very clear that we are formed in our mother's womb by God. That from the moment of, con- the moment of conception, that is a separate life from the life of the mother. And, and, I, and, and if it was done in a wrong way, two wrongs don't make a right. And I will say like on a, on a, on a peer-to-peer level, I would say the root, of, the root of abortion is our own dysfunction when it comes to intimacy. And so like, that's why people need the gospel. They need to be transformed by the word of God. They need to be, they need to be taught those things, but we stand on life. The Declaration of Independence says that we have been given certain unalienable rights, the, li- the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The first of these is life because you don't get liberty in the pursuit of happiness if you don't get life. Abortion takes a life, plain and simple. We're committed to defending the right to life and fighting for the most vulnerable in our society, the unborn among us who can't yet fight for themselves. So I don't care if they're green across the board on every other issue. If they're pro-choice, I'm out. I'm out. We have to be out. We are standing on that. We are hold, that is something that we are going to hold the line on. I, said, I'm gonna, I told you I was going to step off into some mud this morning, so hear me. Um, because I... Because I am, because we are uh, pro-life. We are also pro-border. We're pro-border, not because we're anti-people, because we're for people. We're for people. And I'm tired of seeing headlines about little girls being trafficked across the border that have 67 different DNA samples inside of them. That's evil, and I'm done with it, and I won't tolerate it, and I hate it. I'm tired of seeing little kids used to traffic drugs across the border. I'm tired of seeing kids trafficked abused, their innocence taken. We hate it. We hate it. It's not that I don't want people to come into our nation, but they just have, there has to be a check system. You don't let people in your front door that you don't know. So if you're for anti-borders, then man, I'll just come hang out at your house and just take whatever I want. We have a right to private property. God is for the nations. He's for, and so we have a nation. And I, I'm, I'm not pro-border because I'm anti-life. I'm pro-border because I'm for life. Because I'm for children, man. 
So you can say that I'm not compassionate. I would say you're not compassionate because you don't see what's going on, man. You can't just let entire people groups just move back and forth. Evil just dominates that. It's not going well. It's not going well. That's why we are pro-life. I'm pro-border because I'm pro-children. I'm pro-border because I'm anti-human trafficking. I'm anti-slavery. Psalms 94 verses 20 and 21 says, shall the throne of iniquity which devises evil by law have fellowship with you? They gather together against the life of the righteous and they condemn innocent blood. If we are for policies, politicians, leaders in our government that are not pro-life, this says that we have fellowship with the throne of iniquity. We have fellowship with evil. Let this not be so. Okay, the third place we're holding the line. Just jumping off in here. Didn't know what you signed up for this morning. Third place we hold the line is gender. It's gender. Psalms 127. Psalms 127, he created them male and female. In his image, he created them. Well, Jesus never said anything about it. No, actually, he did. And you can't separate Jesus from the Old Testament. Two. You don't know where Jesus said it? He said it also in Leviticus. The law of God. Jesus is the word of God. The, the Trinity is not against each other. They're all on the same team. <laughs> They're the same person. Okay. Um, Matthew 19, he said, did you not read in the beginning God created them male and female? This is why a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife. Jesus made it clear too. There's, there's, there's two, male or female. Male or female. Gender is the, is the most basic and far-reaching expression of the image of God. And the enemy loves nothing more to distort the image of God. The gender issues facing us today are primarily spiritual and theological to their core. Because everything we do is influenced by our gender. Gender is the most basic element of our identity. When they say, when a baby is born and it says this is a boy or a girl, it is not just a question of sex, it's a question of who they are who they are, and I'm not going to agree with lies. I'm not going to agree with lies. I'm not going to call, I'm not going to call somebody that is a woman a man and a man a woman. I'm not going to because I love them. Because I love them and I'm not, I'm not going to agree with their dysfunction. It's quiet. <laughs> The image and glory of God is tied to human masculinity and femininity, and to tinker with it is to slap him in the face. Gender issues may be the most significant issue in our culture. Gender is an issue of theology. It's at the heart of creation. It's tied to the very image and glory of God. This is why the enemy is working so hard to destroy it. We must address a gender in our culture or, listen, listen, it will cease to exist. It will cease to exist. A society that blurs gender realities cannot glorify God. Dr. James Dobson said this. He said, in a thousand years of human history and thousands of different human cultures that have existed in human history, only a few have managed to blur masculinity and femininity, and every single one of them is extinct. More than 2,000 cultures in world history, not one unisexual society has survived more than a few years. See, in our society, that is is, if it's confused about masculinity and femininity, then there can only be destruction. There can only be death. 
Our civilization, society, nation, families, marriages depend on clear understanding of gender. We cannot allow ourselves to be passively buy into culture's trends without holding them to the light of Scripture. Where men are not men and women are not women, civilization falls. Civilization falls. When a culture is castrated, it will die. It will die. And this leads me into number four. The fourth thing we have to hold the line on is, is, is uh, marriage and family. Yes. Marriage and family. <clears throat> you see everything, see stuff going on in our culture and, and yeah, a couple things. There was a, there was a, a thing, I don't even know what it's called, but it was a bill that was trying to pass and it was that if a, if a, if a failed abortion happened and the baby was uh, born, um, uh, the, they would, a bill was trying to go through of like, you, don't, you can't provide it medical attention, you have to let it die. Um, every Democrat voted for it. There was another one not too long ago about that they wanted to, where parents didn't have access to what their kids were being taught in schools. Every Democrat voted for it. Where parents can't have access to what their children are being taught. And I'm not, I'm not saying, listen, elephants and donkeys, I serve the king of kings. I, I pick the lamb. But a spade is a spade. And if they're voting for things that are anti-Bible, I'm, oh, I'm not voting for them. I'm not, and, and I'm in and, and Psalms, hang on, I got this verse for you. Psalms, um, 119.46 says, I will speak to the kings about your laws. I will not be ashamed. I will not be ashamed. <clears throat> and so um, I, I'm not going to vote for people that don't hold the line on these values, and I'm going to call out their wickedness. That's what the church is supposed to do. That's what the church is supposed to do. Um, there, th this thing that just passed in Washington state, uh, that if you deny your child uh, the right to hormone blockers or transition surgeries that the government can come and take them from you and put them in a facility and give them that medical treatment over my dead body. Over my dead body, you can do that because uh, that's my child. And parents, listen to me. It, scripture is clear that education is on your shoulders. Education's on your shoulders. Where you choose to educate your kid um, is on you, not on them. And, and, and listen, we can't have the thought of like, well, I'm going to send my kid to this place to be a missionary. They're not ready. They need some, they need formation. They need formation. Um, yeah, they want to do away with private education. They would love to do away with homeschool. Uh, it's not going to happen. There are kids and uh, when people say, well, you're just going to brainwash your kid and make them little bigots like you. And like, yeah, that's right. You're right, I am. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to brainwash them, and you're not. Uh, I'm going to wash them with the blood of Jesus. Uh, they're going to be trained under Scripture and what the Bible says. They're my kids, and so, like, they're going to inherit my values, not the culture's values. That's the whole, yeah, exactly. And see, that's, that's why they're going after kids so much is because they can't have their own. They're coming after our kids because they can't have their own. And parents, listen, parents of, uh, I want to say, like, preteen, teenager, um, you need to be aware because I have seen 12 to 25-year-olds brainwashed by TikTok. You need to be aware of what your kids are watching and what they're playing. It, listen, I have, seen, I, I have seen kids brainwashed by, from playing video games and just talking to people online. Don't be naive, parents. Don't give them under... Listen, well, I, I can't take my child's device away. They're in high school. They're your child. Yes, you can. 
You pay the bills. <laughs> well, it'll make them mad. Come on, man. We got to protect our kids. We have to protect our kids. We have to be aware of what they're watching. Not too long ago, uh, just this last couple of weeks, uh, my, my boys, I'll just give you testimony because they know, um, my boys love watching Mr. Beast on YouTube. If, parents, if you don't know who Mr. Beast is, you're naive because he's the biggest YouTuber in the world, like 100 billion subscribers. Just crazy. But it's always been innocent stuff. It's always been just like silly stuff that he does and he gives away lots of money and actually helps lots of people. Well, his best friend, trans. Now, on, that's on the YouTube show. And so we told our boys, no more. If he's going to support a sinful lifestyle, we're no longer going to watch it. We're no longer going to watch it. And that's what we have to do, church. We've got, we've got to draw a line in the sand. We have found life, and that's what we want our kids to know. Amen? We're holding the line. Okay, we're going to hold the line on freedom. We're going to hold the line on religious liberty. Our founding fathers intended for our nation to have religious liberty. It's a very it's a very scriptural thing. We have religious liberty. That's how he wants nations to operate. It's very clear in scripture. We have to have freedom of speech. We have to have right to assemble. We have to have freedom of whatever. Uh, of, uh, we have to have freedom to protest. We have to have freedom to, to gather. Listen to me. Um, and I'm really, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say it. Um, do you think that um, churches being closed down a couple years ago uh, was about a virus? If it was, then why were strip clubs and liquor stores still open? So, I'm just letting you know there's an agenda. And if you don't, like, we've got to look and see that there's a demonic ideology. There's an agenda behind, it, behind, behind what our government does. And, and C.S. Lewis said this. He says that, that, that tyrants are able to take over nations because of, because of the good they're going to do for you. And so I question the good. that my, I think Ronald Reagan said the most dangerous thing a government official can say is, we're from the government, we're here to help. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm trying to ruffle feathers or anything, but I just want to let you know, there is an agenda that wants to keep us from gathering and wants to keep us from meeting. Why? Because obedience to God is rebellion to tyrants. We submit to God and we resist the devil. And those aren't passive things, those are action things, okay? <laughs> that actually, Benjamin Franklin wanted that to be our, he wanted that to be our national motto. He wanted it to be that obedience to God is resistance to tyrants and he wanted our, the, the seal of our nation to be Moses parting the Red Sea, which is really cool. So um, anyway, we're for freedom. Um, hold the line. It says 12, but it says I got still seven minutes left, so. Okay. <laughs> Don't, they're telling me not to look at it. Okay, we're holding the line. Those are things that I, are, that I, I look and I see and I open my eyes and my ears and I just see like those are like really controversial things that, that, are, that are hitting us right now that I just want to address. And obviously that wasn't a complete teaching. I could do a whole series on every one of those. But um, I, I do want to say this. Uh, what is... Holding the line doesn't look like a passive defense, but it looks like an aggressive offense. We are called, church, listen to me, we are called to plunder hell. In Matthew 16, what I read to you when Jesus said that, when he said, um, on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of Sheol, the gates of hell will not be able to resist you, will not be able to resist you. Where he was standing in Caesarea Philippi was a huge open cave that the pagans called the gate to hell, the gate to Sheol. And he was literally telling his disciples, I'm gonna give you the keys. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. He was telling them, I'm giving you the keys to go into that place and take back what the enemy stole. To take back what the enemy stole. The kingdom of God suffereth violent and the violent take it by force. Spirit, we're not called to be physically violent, but spiritually violent. Where we aggressively pursue these things. 
Not sit back and be passive and just pray that it all works out. We are supposed to plunder hell. Jesus confronted unpopular and controversial topics with clarity and truth. He treated people with dignity and respect unless their motives and hypocrisy dictated otherwise. He did flip some tables, call some people some names. I often hear people that don't want to offend or ruffle feathers or stir the waters, um, but I want to let you know the time, there's no longer time to be silent. So I'm going to give you a few things. How do we do this? Number one, we pray. We pray. We're not supposed to do this without the Lord. We're not supposed to do this without the Lord. It, listen, this is spiritual warfare. This is a supernatural thing that we, that we can do, which is incredible. We do this with the Lord. First uh, Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So even if our leaders are evil, even if I don't agree with them, I pray for them because it says God wants everyone to be saved and understand truth. And I look at these leaders in the Old Testament too, like Daniel and Joseph and these different guys, man. They served evil kings. They served evil, evil leaders. But they still were salt and light. And, and when we refuse to pray for people, then what kind of influence are they under? What do you, our, our prayers have power. We release the messengers from heaven. Our war isn't against flesh and blood, but against darkness, against ideologies that hold people captive. So we tear them down. We tear them down. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Number two, number two, how do we plunder hell? You got to know your word. You got to have a biblical worldview. You have to love the law of God. We cannot afford to be biblically illiterate. And that's why so many people are taken captive by high sounding nonsense because they don't know this. If you know the real thing, then you're able to recognize the counterfeit. If you know the real thing, you're able to recognize the counterfeit. We've got to know our word. God has clearly and compassionately spoken about what is right and wrong. Number three, we have to have boldness. We have to have boldness. We have to speak the truth. No matter the threats, no matter the threats, we have to speak the truth. I love in Daniel's old age, he would have been around 90 and kings, the, the, the other wise men of the king were jealous of him, so they went to Cyrus, or, or uh, I'm sorry, Darius, and um, they had him make this decree that, that uh, for nobody could pray for 30 days it, uh, except to him. And so he made that decree, and it says that Daniel went to his room with the windows open and prayed as he always did. In defiance of that decree, he went and did what he was always supposed to do, even though they told him to shut the doors. And listen, it was just 30 days. Lay low for 30 days, Daniel. Lay low. It's just 30 days. I mean, come on. It's just, it's just two weeks. It's just a month. It's just a few months. It's just Easter. It's just whatever. Just lay low. Come on. Daniel, don't you care about yourself? Don't you care about your family? Just lay low, Daniel. No. I'm going to go in. I'm going to open so everybody can see me. I'm going to be defiant in this face of a tyrant. Well, they might throw you to the lions and you might get ripped apart, even if 
even if we will not bow. We will only bow to one Lord and one God. And our God is not the president. Our God is not the governor. But man, does power not absolutely corrupt people? Scary. Scary. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil. These are actions, not passive. We are to be intolerant of evil. Number four, don't compromise. Don't compromise. I love chapter one. Daniel changed the menu, but the menu didn't change him. He lived in Babylon, but Babylon didn't live in him. Come on. We cannot bind what binds us. We cannot loose what we do not have faith for. We do not compromise to attract people. We do not compromise in order not to offend people. We are not in this to be liked or popular. We are in this to turn the world upside down or rather right side up. We're in this to turn hell's agenda inside out to build the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. I love in Acts 4 when Peter and John were before the Sanhedrin and they ordered them to stop talking about Jesus and Peter said, think we're gonna listen to you? Or God, duh, duh. We will not be silent, we will not bow. We've gotta have the heart of Joshua that says, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord, no matter the cost. Number five, I want to end with this, love. We have to love, man. Love is the most powerful thing we have in our arsenal. Love is the most powerful thing we have in our arsenal. We have to love people. I know I'm talking about issues, but these are issues and ideologies that have people captive and bound. And my war is not against that person standing in front of me, but against the ideology that has them bound. And I care about them. And I want them to know this God that we serve. Well, they're enemies of God. They, they hate us. And once I did too, such were you, Paul said. I love this person in front of me. I want them to know this God that has set me free because I was an enemy of God. And, and, and listen, love and truth, are, they're tied together. I love them too much not to tell them the truth. I love them too much not to tell them that there is a God in heaven that they have taken up arms against, but nevertheless, he came and he died for them so that they could be set free. Right, well, well, you know, we'll set free, but like, I like this lifestyle. I, I want to live this way. I want to whatever. Well, here's the deal. If any man seeks to save his life, he's going to lose it. But if you'll lose your life for his sake, you'll find true life, man. You'll find true life. Can we, and, 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 and oftentimes we're so, we're so afraid oftentimes to enter into a space where we share truth with people because we don't want to offend them. I don't think it's because we don't want to offend them. It's because we love us. Jesus said, don't think I came to bring peace, but a sword to divide father against son, mother against daughter. That's tough, man. That's hard, but who is Lord? Who is your king? Who is your king? We love us and we don't want to lose that relationship. And so we just, but listen, silence when truth is needed is not love. Silence when truth is needed is not love. Now, and I will say this, there, there, there are people whose hearts are hard and they're not ready to receive a truth. And so you've got to use some discernment there because Proverbs says, answer a fool in his folly and become foolish just like him or answer a fool in his folly 
or he'll become wise in his own, or, or he'll become wise in his own eyes. So which is it? Do I answer a fool in his folly or do I not? You have to use discernment. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. You gotta be led by the Holy Spirit. We gotta know the word, but we also, we have to know the word, but we also have to operate in the gifts because, because the Holy Spirit will empower you. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. And God will give you words of knowledge. He will give you prophetic words. He will give you things to say to that person that will unravel their heart. We've got to be spirit-led. I love some of the things that's going on in our culture right now in our nation. There's some great laws being passed. I know in Florida they passed a deal that said that you couldn't bring, um, you couldn't bring, children couldn't come to the pride parades. And they're like, oh, well, we're just not going to do them then. Praises. Praises. Listen, I, I saw this the other day. If, if, if kids are not allowed at your show, you're not the victim. We're trying to expose children to something that their brains have, they just, they're no comprehension at all. Causing confusion that should not be there in any way. They should never be confused about whether they're a boy or a girl. Never, ever, ever. I love some of those laws that are being passed. <laughs> Law in a Tennessee that got passed that you couldn't bring children to those shows anymore and they, oh my gosh, it's just, it's, it's, it's transphobic and it's all this thing. It's like, yep, sure is. There's a line in the sand, in the concrete, I'm sorry. It ain't sand, you can't move this one. But I do love those people. Man, I do love those people. And yeah, they may look different than me, <laughs> way different. <laughs> But man, I see the confusion and I see they're looking for something that they, that they have already. They're looking for love. And they need to know this love of the Father that they have, that they were created with a plan and a purpose. And they may hate me for sharing that with them, but I'm still gonna share it with them. We've gotta be led by love. Love doesn't affirm. Love doesn't celebrate. Love doesn't apologize. Love speaks truth. And it's kind and it's patient and all those things. I'm not, looking, I'm not looking to just like win an argument. I'm not looking to like get the gay victory. I'm looking to see people encounter the love of God that will completely transform their life. We've got to love. It's one of the most incredible things we can do is to share truth. Our war isn't against flesh and blood. It's against darkness. Love is the greatest weapon we have. His love changes everything. The devil hates his love more than anything else. And listen, we love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. We turn the other cheek and darkness doesn't get that. Dar it, darkness doesn't comprehend that. You hear me? Okay. I'm gonna end with this, my last thing. I, I just said I was gonna end with the last thing, but I'm gonna say this. This is short. Um, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you cannot have a private one. And that's, that's hard sometimes because it will, people will cut you off because of it. You will lose finances. You will lose jobs. You will be persecuted for it. You'll lose family over it. You can have a personal relationship, but you can't have a private one. Now, I don't mean like not private, like the secret place. Like obviously 
you go in, do your quiet time, devotion, all those things are important, but I'm saying this relationship with him will permeate every single part of your life, including the way that you vote, including the way that you treat people, including the way that you work, what jobs you have, including the way that you family. You can have a personal relationship, but it's not a private one. Amen? Did y'all get something out of this? Stand with me. Only lost about six people. <laughs> God bless them. This is important. And I know like a lot of times in this area, we know, I, I get it. Like, we, okay, yeah, we know this and we agree with you. But listen, I heard, uh, I think Pastor Rob McCoy said it. He said, if I've got to talk about these issues come voting season, then I didn't do my job. They should know it before it gets here. And we're not looking, you know, well, I'm not going to vote for that person because that's the lesser of two evils. Right. Because that person's not Jesus. I get it. But which one lines up with Scripture more? Which one lines up with Scripture more? A couple resources, actually, I want to tell you about. Listen to the briefing every day by Al Mohler. He goes through about 20 minutes of news through a biblical lens, worldview. Al, Albert Moeller. I think he runs the Dallas Theological Seminary. The briefing you can find it on any podcast is incredible it's only about 20 minutes i usually listen to it on double time another one is called i named my sermon after him uh, hold the line by sean foyt podcast it's incredible i'm not big on fox news or cnn mainstream they care about one thing money they want you to make it rain for them which it's funny because they're just crumbling right now they're falling apart because nobody believes anything they say anymore but Al Mohler looks at the news, biblical worldview, and um, I love Sean Foyt. He interviews pastors and politicians and all kind of people on Hold the Line podcast. So anyway, let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for this body. I thank you so much for this ecclesia of people, this ruling body of this land. And God, we, we draw the line in the sand here, Lord. We make a commitment to you, to worshiping you, and to our families today. And we say the devil can have no more of this territory we draw the line in concrete. They cannot have our children. They cannot have our marriages. They cannot have our schools. They cannot have our jobs, our community. We draw the line and we say no more. And Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom on how to plunder hell. We ask that you would give us wisdom on how to take back ground that the enemy has stolen. Lord, I ask that you would raise up Daniels and I ask that you would raise up Josephs and I ask that you would raise up Deborahs and I ask that you would raise up Esthers. You would raise up ones who have a mantle to establish government to establish a godly government to lead people to your heart, to point, people, to point people to you, God, to establish your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Lord. We worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.